Welcome to episode 43 of the Upgrade Your Life podcast. In this episode, Mike Tegman and I discuss stress management in the age of COVID-19. So if you want to reduce your stress, learn tactical techniques, and have more gratitude so you can manage your stress better, tune in now. So the big question is how do ambitious people like us who grew up listening to the old advice of go to school, work hard for 40 years, and retire when you're old, create a life today that is meaningful, abundant, healthy, and brings joy while also leading a life that is productive and full of achievement? That is the question, and this is the podcast that will help give you the answers that you're searching for. My name is Del Denny, and welcome to the Upgrade Your Life podcast. Welcome to the Upgrade Your Life podcast. I have a special guest today, Mike Tegman. Uh, As a popular educator and author of emergency services personnel for several decades, Mike has focused on helping emergency medical services, fire, nurses, police, physicians, and other healthcare professionals take better care of themselves so they can take better care of their patients and communities. He has a new book coming out called Supercharge Your Stress Management in the Age of COVID-19. It's a handbook for emergency services and healthcare professionals, which is much needed today. Uh, Mike, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Dell. It's exciting to be here. So, Mike, you come from a background as a street paramedic and have a leadership, uh, you know, you've been on the leadership teams of several large-scale emergency medical service systems. So what inspired you to write this book on COVID-19? You know, one of the things that, uh, that a lot of the, the general public doesn't realize is that people who are involved in uh, emergency services, uh, law enforcement, paramedics, firefighters, and healthcare professionals uh, have higher rates of depression, anxiety, and, and suicide uh, as, as kind of a baseline, that on, depending on which study you look at. Mm-hmm. It's three times more uh, than the general population uh, for all of those categories. And, and this was before uh, COVID-19 hit. And with uh, COVID-19, um, these, these folks who are you know, taking care of the sickest of the sick patients putting themselves and their uh, families at risk. Um, in addition to the stresses they already had, it just, uh, it just seemed like the, the stress was off the charts and uh, felt like I needed to do something to help. I, I see that. I mean, the, I feel like the temperature of the, of the world right now is so stressed right now that it, it's, it's at a crazy high. And so as an expert, in mental and emotional resilience. Why did you choose stress management for the book title? Uh, what, what's the difference between building resilience and managing stress? You know, as, uh, as you think about kind of going through your life, um, if you're, you know, imagine yourself traveling along the road of life and resilience is really the building uh, emotional, psychological and physical strength so that you can handle the situations that life throws at you. Stress management techniques are those strategies that you use to kind of take care of yourself when you're kind of in the middle of the crap, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then kind of on the, on the other end of that is the, you know, the trauma informed psychotherapy uh, for people who end up with psychological and emotional injuries, uh, PTSD and and things like that as a result uh, of stress. And it just seemed like, uh, the tools that people needed most 
um, right now were the, the stress management tools. So I decided I'd, I'd focus kind of on the middle part. I mm, love it. Uh, you know, many of our listeners to this podcast uh, are leaders. They're in management positions. They're in leadership positions in different industries and not, not just healthcare. Do you have any thoughts on what leadership styles can promote better stress management for their teams? I mean, everybody's stressed. Healthcare, very stressed. Other teams, very stressed. What, what could you do to help? You know, there's a, there's a framework um, that was really described by Dr. Dan Siegel uh, is a psychiatrist at UCLA and author of, of many um, wonderful books and creator of the, the branch of science called Interpersonal Neuropsychology. And he says uh, that from, from a leadership perspective, if you can make sure your people are seen, safe, and soothed, it allows them to, to feel secure and kind of dial their own, their own stress response down. And, and seen is about you know, making real real connections with folks and checking in and asking them, you know, how are you doing? And when people say fine, um, you know, that sometimes that stands for, uh, you know, uh, fouled up, insecure, needy, and emotional, I'm fine. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, that, that scene part is kind of connecting beyond that and saying, no, how are you really feeling? Mm. And then, you know, taking actions to help them, uh, help them feel safe, whether it's, you know, enforcing, you know, physical distancing rules or making sure, uh, people have the proper protective, uh, personal protective equipment. They need to keep themselves virus-free. Um, and and if something happens where they are, they are stressed or upset or have a, a, a something that has, has set them off or got them down, um, that you uh, take the effort to to soothe them, um, so that seen safe and soothed um, allows people to feel uh, feel secure, and um, is a is a really powerful. Uh, Thing a leader can offer um, their employees, no matter what kind of organization they work in. I really like that. Seen safe, soothe, secure. Can, uh, can you dive a little bit into that? Can you share a story about that in your uh, in your work life, your personal life? How that seen safe, soothe. That's a tongue twister. There uh, has helped. Um, ab- absolutely. Several years ago, I was the uh, the manager of the paramedic system that served uh, Oakland. California, um, which uh, tends to be a, uh, a little bit of a, a, a challenging uh, service area, a lot of, a lot of poverty, history mm-hmm. of, uh, of racial tensions and, uh, and whatnot. And when, I, uh, and when I showed up there, my uh, predecessor um, had, uh, had been a, a bit of a drinker and not a very attentive manager. Uh, so the, the organization was in a, a, bit of, a bit of disarray. Um, but the but the paramedics that worked there were were people from the community. They'd been born and born and raised there, were, and were really uh, passionate about about serving the community that they worked in. Um, so rather than uh, than coming in and trying to be the in charge boss, like I knew what was going on, I kind of uh, imagined that they were they were all running a particular direction mm-hmm. um, as far as doing their jobs and and taking taking care of things. So I saw my role as to to run as fast as I could to kind of catch up uh, to them and, uh, and just, and just connect and kind of run with them for a while and, and, and learn what mattered to them and what was important to them. And uh, once, once I kind of gained a little bit of uh, trust from that perspective, um, I could say, you know, ask them where, where are you actually going? And, and then say, you know, I've got an idea of a, a, another place we might go. What do you think? 
And um, when, when people um, reacted to those kind of uh, suggestions, some people reacted, you know, really defensively or, or with, uh, with resistance to, to new ideas. Um, I really took the, the resistance from a, a, a curiosity perspective and, and, and tried to really see them and listen and let them know that their ideas were, were it was safe to share them um, with me and that they were welcome. And, and that if, you know, if, if we decided to go away that made them uh, uncomfortable or that they, they disagreed with, um, that I would, I would be there to, to soothe that, that particular stress for them and, and, and reinforce them that we would, we would get through it by working together. And um, it's been, I don't know, six years or so since I've worked in that organization. And I am uh, uh, still really close friends with the the close to 550 people that uh, that we I worked with in that system. That's awesome. I, I really like that formula. I'm I'm a big formula guy. So seen, safe, soothe, secure. I, I, as I'm looking at that, I see that I love leadership and seeing how that works. But also as a father, I'm looking at this. I'm thinking, wow, this is a great formula for working with my kids too. Seen, safe, soothe, secure. Um, so how does, now kind of going forward a little bit here, how does the concept of emotional contagion add to my responsibility as a leader during this time or, you know, this, this crazy COVID-19 time or, or just in general? Um, have you ever been in a, in a room full of people where one person yawns and then pretty soon somebody else yawns and within a couple of minutes, it's like everybody wants to take a nap? Yeah, I absolutely have it. And as a public speaker and someone that has delivered presentations, when you hear one yawn go off in your crowd and you start seeing that trickle down, yeah, I, I've seen that, and it's happened to me many times. You know, and that's that's a that's a tangible example of kind of how emotional contagions work. Um, and the you know we when you talk about the the part of the brain that is the seat of the emotions is called the limbic system. And when you look at, you know, pictures of the anatomy of the brain, it shows the limbic system in the, in the, in the center of the brain and it, and it creates the illusion that it is uh, ensculled, if you will, that it is something that's locked in your skull. Um, but the limbic system actually has an open loop nature. And, and that means that you, um, you, your uh, limbic system and your ability to, uh, uh, deal with your emotions is relational. It is interpersonal. So when a, a parent uh, calms an upset child just by their kind of loving presence and, and being internally calm and maybe uh, rocking the child, um, that's a, a, to have them calm down, that's a, a manifestation of kind of that uh, open loop uh, interpersonal limbic regulation, if you will. Hmm. And um, when we, you know, the, the news right, right at this moment is full of uh, all kinds of, uh, of demonstrations and, and some of them have, uh, have turned into riots um, mm -hmm. uh, across the U.S. And, and, and other parts of the world. And, you know, part of, part of what happens is, um, you know, people, people are emotionally charged to kind of start with, um, but then one person can act out and agitate and incite a whole bunch of people to do things they otherwise never would have done mm -hmm. um, if it hadn't kind of been lit off by one person's kind of emotional contagion. And as a leader, you know, that, that can work both ways. So um, emotional contagions are, 
are more powerful de uh, depending on your position in the world. So a parent's uh, impact on their child's emotions usually is stronger than the child's impact on the parent's emotions. And a leader's impact on their team's emotions uh, tends to be bigger than the team's impact on the leader's emotions. So if you've got a, a leader who is kind of emotionally all over the place, it's like your leader's in the front car on a roller coaster and everybody in all the cars behind goes through all the ups and downs and topsy-turvy loops and, and spins and all that kind of stuff that the leader goes through. Um, and so if as a leader, you can uh, practice stress management skills to kind of dial down your own stress response and, and keep your own internal cool, um, you, you know, that, that is contagious like the ons are contagious. So that if you are, are dialed in and, and cool, everybody else can be dialed in and cool. And we've seen, you know, hundreds of examples of mayors and police chiefs and, you know, SWAT commanders all over uh, the U.S., um, using that skill to connect with um, protesters and demonstrators that are suffering. And it is, has produced some really beautiful kind of, you know, partnerships and sense of love and sense of peace, you know, at a time where people are, are really stressed out. The, the leadership examples around this are, are right in our face on the news cycles every day. I, I love seeing that. I, I love seeing our leaders, you know, be hand, hand in hand with the protesters and, and, you know, leading the charge, if you will, emotionally, because I know this when emotion is high, intelligence is low. <laughs> and so when, it, so when it comes to setting that example, uh, I, I see the science behind it. You know, you, you talk about the limbic system. Do we need to understand brain science to, to manage our stress? You certainly don't need to understand it, but I, I, I find it really helpful. Mike, what are the, the biggest differences in the needs of emergency services, law enforcement, and healthcare professionals now during COVID-19? There are uh, so many uh, constant stressors, both at life, uh, in life in general, you know, and at home. Um, you know, it used to be uh, going to the grocery store was a pretty relaxing thing for me. Mm -hmm. And and six months ago, if, uh, you know, somebody sneezed or coughed in the supermarket, it probably didn't even register in my awareness. Um, but I was in the, in the grocery store the other day, and uh, there was a woman in the produce section who was kind of doing the, <gasps> like she was about to sneeze, and she pulled her mat, her surgical mask down and sneezed into the open air over the oh. uh, organic honey crisp apples and then put her mask back up. Oh. Um, which kind of had this like collective stress response for uh, for me included. Um, so the 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 important thing for people who work in emergency services and and healthcare is to really take time to kind of unplug and and get away. So turn off your social media. Don't watch the news. Um, you know whether it's spend time in nature take a long shower, if you know how to meditate or pray, whatever kind of contemplative practice you can use to, to disengage. Um, you know, usually you say that watching TV and video games is, is not a, a healthy strategy, but when it comes to stress management, uh, using things like that to kind of disengage from the constant barrage mm -hmm. of kind of being, being on alert for dangers is really helpful. I could see that. I I, I've never really thought about that before where you're just so connected, like you have to disconnect, you have to disengage or it, I, I feel like burnout might come about because of that. 
Um, go ahead. I was going to say burnout is, uh, you know, on the continuum of, uh, of kind of bad consequences to stress. You talk about critical incident stress, you talk about vicarious trauma, you talk about burnout, you talk about compassion fatigue, you talk about PTSD in there. They're all kind of the same wine in a different bottle. Um, they're all uh, potential consequences of not uh, aggressively and effectively managing your own stress. I, I, you know, I wish they taught this in schools. I mean, I don't think there's really good stress management out there. It's just not given to the, the everyday person. So that's why I really like your book. Um, you know, how to manage, you know, these stressful times. Is there anything from your book that you could teach us or, or, or share with us that can help us to manage stressful situations? I'll, I'll give you one, uh, one simple technique that people find kind of funny. Um, if you, uh, if you use your, uh, use your feet right now, your toes or, or your feet on the floor, my, my feet are on the floor. Yes. On the floor, Dell. All right. So imagine, uh, and, and work your toes like you were on a carpet or a rug and you were going to try to bunch the rug up and pull the entire rug, uh, back up underneath your feet and kind of work your toes, kind of reaching them out and pulling, uh, the rug to bunch, uh, bunch it back up underneath your feet. All right. I'm doing it right now as we speak. And, and this is a, this is a stress management technique that has a good basis in neuroscience. Um, it sounds, it sounds a little crazy. Uh, but one of the things about our stress response is that we decrease our awareness and sensation in our extremities. And this comes from uh, way back when our bodies were designed and we were living in caves and our biggest threat was the saber tooth tiger. And it was designed so that if the, the saber tooth tiger bit us, uh, that, that it wouldn't hurt so bad so we could continue to fight or, or, or get away. Hmm. So one of the tricks is to kind of fool your nervous system into thinking you're relaxed by bringing your awareness uh, to your hands and toes. And I, I taught this during a, a webinar a few weeks ago, and I got an email afterwards from an F-16 uh, fighter pilot who uh, he said um, when he was flying his, getting ready to fly his first mission uh, over Iraq during the Iraq conflict, um, his commander was getting ready to shut the hatch to his aircraft. And his commander said to him, look, I want you to remember just one thing. And, you know, this pilot was, you know, thinking it was, you know, pay attention to your aileron or notice your wingtips and who's on your side. And, and, and his flight commander said, wiggle your toes. And he's like, what? <laughs> and the commander said, wiggle your toes. If you wiggle your toes throughout this flight, it will keep your head clear and in the game. And, and I shared that story with, uh, uh, I was uh, teaching stress management to the, the faculty uh, for reproductive medicine at the University of Pennsylvania, one of the world's premier uh, reproductive medicine centers, and uh, sharing it with all these physicians. And they said, you know, um, when we're uh, doing uncomfortable uh, procedures on patients, uh, we always tell them to wiggle their toes throughout the procedure because um, it lessens their, uh, their stress in the process. So it's a it's a, it's a fun one and you can do it anywhere. And if you've got shoes on, nobody else knows you're doing a stress management technique um, when you're near them. Oh, that's great right there. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to use that one. That's, that's really good. <laughs> um, so kind of going back to the book here, um, you know, we talked a lot about uh, emergency services and, and healthcare professionals and my own mother, she's a, uh, an RN, she's a nurse. Uh, my uncle is a respiratory therapist. Is there something in the book uh, for the families 
of those that are serving out in our communities. Absolutely. And there, there's no doubt that stress um, out in the professional world uh, tends to come home with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and actually the, the U.S. military, which has done a whole lot of work on stress management, which we uh, talk about a fair amount in the book, um, you know, really, really talks about um, that kind of homecoming, uh, homecoming strategy. Um, so one of the things we, we describe is to first off share uh, stress management uh, strategies with your, uh, your, your family, however you define family, your spouse or your kids or your, your parents or whoever in your, are in your circle and share the strategies so that you can uh, learn them together. And, and then when you're, uh, when you're coming home from a shift, um, oftentimes shifts are more stressful because you're in personal protective gear and, and all kinds of, uh, all kinds of things during the course of your workday. And you tend to be more exhausted uh, than you have been previously. And uh, one of the things we recommend, because what, what tends to happen is people will be so exhausted and they'll come in and they won't have anything left for the people they really love and care most about in the world. Um, so there's something about stopping before you uh, come into the house uh, you know, in the, in the, if you're driving home in the car, in the driveway, just pausing for a moment and thinking, you know, what am I, what am I grateful for right now? And how do I want to show up as a, a wife or a mom or a dad or a husband or a son or, or however I'm going to show up to these people? Because um, I want to save a little bit of the best part of me for the, the people I love most and doing that, doing that intentionally. Um, as something I, I've been practicing now for about five years. And actually, when we were, when we were writing this book, uh, my wife, um, Sasha, uh, had written that, that section. She said, I didn't know you were doing that. She huh. said, you know, because I'm on the road usually 40 to 45 weeks a year for my work. Mm-hmm. And um, I would come home and, you know, frequently within a couple of hours after coming home, we'd end up in some kind of an argument about something. And I never really quite understood it, um, but my sister told me about this kind of homecoming practice. She's a, an international consultant, and she, she suggested this, bringing the best home. So I started doing it, and my wife said, you know, we haven't had one of those daddy's home arguments for about four years now. Um, it must work. Ah, I really like that. That's definitely being intentional. Um, I'm going to have to use that one. That's really good. I love these tactical strategies you're sharing with us. Uh, how about another one? Is, is there something that we can do right now to make us even more resilient, you know, in this crazy time that we're in? You know, absolutely. One of the, one of the things that we're all, all doing more now is, is washing our hands more effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it is a little disturbing to me to, to, to realize how many people have just discovered hand washing like it's a brand new thing in life. Oh, gosh. Um, tell me about it. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> But one of the things, you know, they, uh, they recommend that you sing the happy birthday song while you wash your hands so you get a full, a full 20 seconds. Or, or my uh, son sings the baby shark song, which I apologize to your listeners because those of you that have heard it will not be able to get it out of your brain for a minute. But yeah. um, one of the things I've been doing when I, uh, when I wash my hands is a gratitude practice. And uh, neuroscience has shown that the practice of gratitude uh, both self-gratitude and gratitude toward others, uh, nurtures your joy, your happiness, decreases your stress, and builds your, uh, your resilience. Um, mm-hmm. So what I do is I imagine in my left hand, 
something that I'm grateful for myself for. And, and when I first started doing this, this felt a little weird, um, this kind of self, self-gratitude, but it's a, it's a powerful practice and you don't need to tell anybody else about it if you're embarrassed about it. Um, but just thinking about something uh, that you're grateful for yourself about. And in the other hand, uh, thinking of uh, something that you're grateful for uh, outside of yourself in your family or your professional community or whatever. I try to think of different things every time I wash my hands. So there's something, something different. So I'm kind of spreading my gratitude around. So as I was actually washing my hands before, uh, uh, before coming to this podcast, um, I was, I was really aware that I was um, super grateful to you, Del, for uh, bringing me onto your show. And I'm really grateful for all of your listeners uh, out there who um, hopefully will use some of what we've talked about uh, to dial down their own stress and, and, and make their lives and the lives of the people uh, that they uh, love and, and influence uh, a little better. I, I know personally when I, when I express gratitude, you know, whether internally in my head or I, I express it, I feel so much better. There's such a relief there. So I, I, I know from firsthand experience that, that that brings our stress levels immediately down. And, and a great way to, for me personally, I, in the mornings, I, I think that's the best place to start is start expressing gratitude, right? As soon as your feet hit the floor, just, okay, I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for this person. I'm grateful for this opportunity. Whether some people pray or, or whether it's in meditation, uh, it just, it really sets the tone for the day. I love that. And it's, it's also a good one to do before you go to sleep. It actually has been shown to, to increase the rapidity um, by which people can go to sleep and how deep they sleep once they fall asleep if they practice gratitude right before bed. Oh, I like that. I, 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 you know, so many people talk about morning routines, and I don't think we talk about evening routines as, as much. And I think that is a great way to, or a great uh, strategy to put into your evening routine. Uh, I, I do want to ask you a question here. I, I ask every single one of our, uh, our guests this question, and it's an, an introspection question. Uh, and it's sort of off topic, but it's, it's, a, it's a good question. So here it goes. Are you ready for it? I am. All right. If you could turn back time and talk to your 18-year-old self, what advice would you give yourself for reaching your full potential? You know, uh, I, I, I have a longer way to think back uh, to 18 than some people who are listening to this. Um, the, the, you know, the, first, the first bit of advice that comes up, which is, you know, it's, it's actually one I've kind of followed through most of my life. Um, but is to, is to really stay curious um, and, and continue to learn and continue to be a student. I, uh, um, you know, there's so many people like they, you know, there's a huge percentage of the, the people on the planet that, that never read another nonfiction book after they have graduated from school ever. Mm-hmm. Um, or they only read, you know, one book uh, a year, and oftentimes that's a murder mystery, which I love to read too. Um, but there's something about staying curious and staying hungry about learning um, that uh, is absolutely something I would I would tell my 18 year old self, and uh, is something I, I continue to tell uh, my 60 year old self. Um, if you uh, if you were in my office right now, you'd look you'd look next to me and uh, see uh, my stack of two read books, um, which I've got um, about 75 of them in the two read pile. Wow. Um, And and a couple of more coming um, from 
from Amazon today. So that's a, that's, that's how I would answer that question. I, I love, I'm, I'm obsessed with books as well. I, I, on average finish about a book a week and I've been doing this for a few years and it's just, I love it. I, I I'm the same way. I've got a whole slew of books that are, are coming my way that are on Amazon. And, and by the way, how do we find your book? You know, your book, supercharge your stress management in the age of COVID-19. Where can we find your book? So the book is available on Amazon. It's available on Barnes and Noble, and uh, you can also order it through our website, uh, which is uh, combatcovidstress.com, combatcovidstress.com. All right, very good. I'm going to have to pick that up. I'm definitely going to have to give this to, to my mother and my, my uncle. I, I know they could use that. This is uh, such a crazy time. But nonetheless, Mike, thank you for coming to the Upgrade Your Life podcast. It, it's, I've got a wealth of knowledge here from you and some very tactical strategies. Uh, thank you again for being on the show. Thank you uh, so much for having me. And I hope, uh, I hope uh, you and, uh, and the people listening uh, find some benefit from all of these ideas. Absolutely. I, I know whether we're in healthcare or business and leadership, regardless, these stress management techniques are much needed today. So thank you again. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us this week. Do you have some feedback that you'd like to share? Please leave a note in the comment section below. If you have enjoyed this episode on stress management in the age of COVID-19, please share it with your friends on social media. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes to get automatic episode updates for our Upgrade Your Life podcast. And finally, please take a minute to leave us an honest review and ratings on iTunes. They really help us out when it comes to the ranking of the show. And I make it a point to read every single one of those reviews that we get. So again, thanks for listening. Welcome to the podcast, and I've got a question for you. What do you wish you would have found out earlier in your career or your life? What is one of those things that you wish you would have known or accepted earlier in your life that would have made things better for you? Now, for me, I'm going to share this with you, and hopefully this this helps out a little bit, but it's failure. Failure is actually a good thing, and Early in my career, you know, and I think a lot of people are this way, is they want to be perfect, right? Um, you know, they want to get everything 100% right. They want to be a 4.0 student. They never want to make a mistake on a project. And they don't want to fail. And we get so hyped up in living this perfect life that uh, failure looks scary, but what I wish I would have learned early on is that failure is your friend. Failure is okay. And personally, I've failed a lot of times. And early on in my career, you know, I, I would be kind of, uh, I don't know if ashamed is the word to use, but like, crap, I, I failed again. But what I realized, you know, I've, I'm good 15, 20 years into my career now, and I've had a lot of experiences along the way, and I have failed a lot. I have absolutely failed a lot of times, but at the same time, though, that's also gave me such valuable lessons, such valuable lessons, 
And I really don't think they're failures unless if you don't learn from them. So you either you either learn or you, you either fail or, or what is it? You either succeed or you learn. It's one of those two things. It's like you either get it done right or you learn and you learn how to do it better the next time. And so I, there's this stigma of failure and how it's a bad thing. But, but failure brings growth. For example, I just got uh, out of the gym. And what do you want your muscles to end up doing? Well, you kind of want to push them to the point of failure where your muscles can't go anymore. They've stretched. They've, uh, the fibers have broken. But what happens is they, they come back stronger than before. You know, you have a little bit of protein. You know, the muscle fibers stretch. Uh, they, uh, they tear. That's the word I'm looking for. You put a little protein in your body and it repairs itself with the protein. Your muscles get bigger. And that's what failure is. You know, as we go through life, we have to embrace failure. We have to learn from it. I remember early on in my career, um, gosh, I was in my, probably my mid-20s, and I had an, my very first opportunity, paid opportunity, to speak in front of an audience. Uh, it was a series of lectures that I was going to give. It was out in Ohio. And I was so excited for this. Like this was a huge opportunity uh, for me. And being at such a young age, uh, the peers in that group were twice my age. And so I was coming into this uh, about to deliver you know, a series of, of lectures. And I was so excited. It was going to pay very well. And if I did really, really well, then there was going to be even more uh, opportunities to speak down the road. And so I prepared, I prepared, I prepared, I prepared. And what happened was I gave those lectures and I failed. Like I, I did absolutely horrible. Uh, I was... Uh, my results were not what I wanted them to be. Uh, I wasn't asked to come back and speak. Uh, but here's what happened. I remember driving home back to Indiana. And I, I was thinking about how excited I was for the opportunity. Uh, I was thinking about how I just got done failing. It, it was a long ride home. It was like a three-hour car ride. Me just thinking about me failing. But there was this thing inside of me that was so grateful for that opportunity. I knew I failed, but I also knew that I gave it my all. And that's what mattered most to me. I knew I gave it my all. And I knew there'd be an opportunity down the road. I knew there'd be a chance one day. I didn't know what I was to learn from it at that very moment. But looking back, I've learned a few things through the years because of that mo- of that moment. And we don't learn and grow through success, we learn and grow through failure. And that's really what today's episode is about is failure. Now, a decade later after that, you know, I'm still speaking. I'm still getting in front of people. I, I've, I've gained that skill set. I've become better. I've realized what I need to work on. And because of that failure then has allowed me to succeed today. And that's what we have to look at today is what failures are there? What, what are we afraid to fail at? What are, you, what are you so afraid of that you're not even getting into the game? And I think a lot of people have that happen to them. And I'll say this. I believe that our school system programs us to try to be perfect. We want to get that 4.0 uh, grade, right? But 
we don't we don't take risks we don't take chances right um in the real world you know we're not going to create a project and it be perfect we perfect it as we go on we release it to the world and we work on it we refine it we make it better and so that idea of I have to release this project, I have to release this course, I have to, uh, I'll start this when it's perfect, you know, it, it's such crap. It really is. That idea of perfection is just absolute crap and it just just prevents people from going further. And so that is the message today is failure. Hey, it's okay. Learn from it, grow from it. You know, if people uh, make fun of you for failing, well, that's on them. That's not on you. You just come back bigger, better, and stronger. And so that's it, my friends. Don't be afraid to fail. All is good. That's the lesson I wish I would have learned earlier on in my life. Hopefully that serves someone here today. But nonetheless, I will see you tomorrow. Welcome to the Upgrade Your Life podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and I'll see you tomorrow.